Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800 247 3051. 800 247 3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org, or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Let's look to God. Father, thank you so much for being our God, for being our sacrifice. Help us now, Lord, in this time as we consider you, that we might, Lord, deeply consider in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, you know, John the Baptist, he made one of the most profound statements about the Lord Jesus Christ in all the scriptures. As a matter of fact, when Scott was praying, he quoted this verse. I don't know if John the Baptist really fully realized the importance of what he said when he saw the Lord Jesus Christ for the first time. But what he said was so important that it sets for us the goal for all of our studies that we're doing on the cross. And please turn to it. It's in John one twenty nine. John one twenty nine. And as you turn to this verse, I want us just to, just to kind of imagine ourselves to be John the Baptist there at that time. And, you know, he, he spent his life preaching about the one who was going to baptize with fire and whose shoe latched he was not worthy to undo. He'd never seen him before. And then... All of a sudden, this one day, he sees him for the first time. John 1, 29. The next day, John seeth Jesus coming unto him and saith, and let's say these words together out loud. Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. Wow, what a great statement. And there's that one word, that, that creates for us the theme for all of our studies on the cross, and it's the word behold. Behold, behold the Lamb of God. In that word behold, we got a concept there, and the concept is that it, it, it's just like, when he says behold, it's like, wait, wait, step, stop, whoa, whoa, just a minute. Just step back a little, just, just, just step back a little bit. Step back and just behold just get into that state of just absolute wonder, absolute admiration. Just be captivated. And, and so the word behold, it conveys all this. Behold the Lamb of God. And so in each study that we do now about the cross, we could just say, look at the Lamb of God as he's doing this or he's doing that. As we behold the Lamb of God, then we're led to worship the Lamb of God. In our last study, what we did is we beheld the Lamb of God taking and drinking that cup. 
Just just step back and look at him drink that cup of agony. That was our cup. That was our cup. Those were the consequences of our sins. And what we did in our last study is we just stepped back and we said, will you just look with me at the Lamb of God as he drinks that cup? Behold, the Lamb of God that stepped right in between you and I and that cup, and he took the cup. He said, no, don't even put your hand forward. I'm taking the cup. I know it's meant for you. I'm taking the cup. I'm going to take your cup. So in our last study, what we did is we stepped back and we said, behold the Lamb of God who taketh away my sin by drinking that cup for me. Behold the Lamb of God drinking that mixture in that cup of those ten awful ingredients. And when we beheld the Lamb of God drink that cup, we could do nothing except worship him. Worship him, worship the Lamb who drank the cup. Now today, we're going to do, we're going we're gonna to again, we're going to again step back and behold the Lamb of God who taketh away our sin by doing what Peter describes. And please turn to this in 1 Peter 2.24. 1 Peter 2.24. Here we see the Lamb of God again. And behold the Lamb of God in 1 Peter 2.24, where we would just, you could plug this in. Behold the Lamb of God who taketh away the sin of the world by who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, being dead to sin, should live unto righteousness by whose stripes you were healed. So what are we going to do today? Today, we're going to behold the Lamb of God who taketh away my sin by his own self bearing our sins in his own body on the tree. What does that mean? What does that mean? You remember I told you in my testimony that the thing that just really caught me when I was lost, and I went to a seder of my aunt's house, and her, and her husband, Uncle Pete, you know, he was short, and he was bald, had glasses like Coke bottles, and he used to chew pistachios, leave, leave the shells around, smoke cigars, irritated my aunt. And my aunt, she was taller, she used to handpack him. And so uh, Pete, his whole enjoyment in life was just to irritate her. He just loved to irritate her. So we're, like I said, we're at the Seder, and he did something scandalous, just to irritate her, before the meal. And we're all sitting around, it's a family, like Thanksgiving, all family. And he says something, you never say, but it's scandalous. He said, you know, Christians believe Christ was the Passover lamb. Oh, immediately, <laughs> and Mary, you know, Pete, shut up, you know. <laughs> Looks at me and says, wasn't that great, you know. <laughs> and so, hey, hey. But the phrase stuck with me. Christ was the Passover lamb. What does that mean? And that was my goal, to find out what that meant that led me to the Lord Jesus Christ. What does this mean? The lamb bore our sins. What's that mean? What does that mean? The lamb took away our sins by bearing our sins. What do those four words mean? Christ bear our sins. What's that mean? Well, in order for us to understand what that means, what it means by Christ bear our sins, we need to understand what's meant by the word bear and then our sins. When the word bear is used, 
here in this verse, in 1 Peter 2.24, who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree. And the, the Greek word has a particular meaning of carrying up. In other words, the meaning here is that he carried up our sins with him to the tree, to the cross. The meaning is that they were a heavy load, but he carried this heavy load up to the cross. You know, Golgotha's a hill. Calvary's a hill. It's like Mount Moriah. And the picture that we have of Isaac going up that hill is the picture here. You know, Genesis 22, verse 4, Genesis 22, 4, it says, Then on the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes. He's going to see this hill. He lifted up his eyes and saw the place afar off. And Abraham said unto his young men, Abide ye here with the ass, and I and the lad will go yonder and worship and come again to you. And then it says, And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it upon Isaac his son. And he took the fire in his hand and the knife. And they went both of them together. So this is the scene now that Abraham takes the wood and he lays it on Isaac. Isaac carries this wood. Isaac bears this wood. Abraham's uh, coming his way. He lifts up his eyes. He sees this mount in the land of Moriah. And then he takes the wood for the burnt offering and he lays it on Isaac, his son. Isaac's father took the wood and laid it on his son Isaac, and his son Isaac bear the wood up the mountain. That's the picture behind the word bear in this statement, Christ bear our sins. Just like Isaac carried the wood up the hill, so the Lord Jesus carried our sins with him to the cross so that our sins could be what's described in Colossians 2.14, which was also quoted a little bit earlier today, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross. See, he carried our sins. What are our sins? Our sins were the ordinances of God that we violated. And he carried them to his, up to his cross so that those sins could be nailed to his cross. As a matter of fact, when it says in 1 Peter 2.24 that he bare our sins on the tree, this Greek word, Really, when it says on the tree, it's really the word, and it's to the tree. It could be to the tree. He carried our sins to the tree, to the cross. What a precious sight to think of the Lord looking like Abraham. Looks afar off, he sees Mount Moriah. Like the Lord, he looks and he sees Mount Calvary. And he struggles to carry this cross. He even stumbles as he's, got, as he's thinking to himself, I have to, I must carry I have to climb up this Mount Calvary because I'm carrying the sins of the world. And then as the cross was laid on the ground, how precious to see the Lord looking at the cross and thinking to himself, it is vital that I be nailed to this cross because what I'm carrying, I'm carrying the sins of the world in my body. I must carry those sins to this tree. And this was a steadfast determination of the Lord. So much so that when, when he was even, he didn't even get to Jerusalem yet, but he was going to Jerusalem to do this, that it says about him in Luke 9.53, Luke 9.53, that people, when he was, they saw him going to Jerusalem, they said they did not receive him. 
because his face was as though he would go to Jerusalem. Can you imagine a face like that? It's a face like, you know, I got one thing in sight. It's Jerusalem. It's Calvary. It's that cross. It's those sins I'm going to be carrying. I must do this. And people saw this and they said, don't even bother. Don't even try to receive him. Don't even try to persuade him. He's going. And that's who he was. So when we look at the word bear, we see that. Why did he bear these sins? How did it happen? Just like Abraham laid the wood on Isaac for him to bear and carry up there. It says in Isaiah 53, 4, surely he hath borne our griefs. He carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted, but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him with his stripes. We are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord laid on him the iniquity of us all. And then 11th verse, same chapter, Isaiah 53, Isaiah 53, 11. He shall see the travail of his soul and shall be satisfied. By his knowledge shall my righteous servant justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. See, Romans 9, 28, following this trend says, so Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many. So just as we see Abraham, the father, lay on Isaac, his son, the wood for the burnt offering, and Isaac carrying that wood up to Mount Moriah. So we see God the Father laying our sins on God the Son, who then bore them up to Mount Calvary to the cross. That's the word bear. That's the word bear. It's the idea of carrying our sins. As a matter of fact, when it says here, in his own self who bear our sins in his own body on the tree, the Greek word for in, you know, in his own body, it's actually, and it can mean on or with, on his body or with his body. So the idea again is like Isaac carrying the wood. Isaac did not become the wood. Isaac carried the wood. The unblemished animals, they never became blemished. But by the way of symbolism, they carried the sins of the offerer, as it says, the scapegoat, In Leviticus 16.22, it says about the scapegoat, and the goat shall bear upon him all their iniquities unto a land not inhabited, and shall let the go in the wilderness. So when it says the Lord bear our sins, it means he carried our sins. Now, I know there's a verse, 2 Corinthians 5.21. It says, for he hath made him to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. The Greek word there for sin the word hamartia, it's the same word used in the Septuagint and the Greek translation of the Old Testament, and it's used for either sin or sin offering. So it could mean, for he hath made him to be a sin offering for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Some believe he actually became sin. I don't believe that. I believe that he never became blemished. By becoming sin, he became the sin offering but that's not a hill that I'm willing to die on. So if you believe that, that's fine. So when his blood flowed for our redemption, that was the blood from a lamb that was without blemish and without spot, as it says also in 1 Peter 1.19, but we are redeemed with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. Now, 
happens. We stand back and we just behold the Lamb of God bearing our sins. We're told that He bore our sins in His own body. As a matter of fact, when you look at that verse there, in verse 24, the word own appears twice. Once to express that it was His own self that bare our sins, and then to express that it was His own body that bear our sins. Now this emphasis by the word own, it drives us to see how personal this was for the Lord Jesus. He got personal with us. He, he bore our sins himself. It was in his own body. He bore our sins. That's very personal, all the personalness of it all. I mean, our sins became so personal for him that he bore them in himself, in his own body. The book of Revelation it states right off the bat what it's about. What it's a revelation of. Everybody thinks oh, it's a revelation of you know, the four horsemen as you're saying it. Right? No, no. You know, all these things. Right? But no, no, no. And people say, oh, don't, don't, don't read the book of Revelation. That's, whoa, you'll get really confused to read the book of Revelation. Right? The book of Revelation, if you stick with the subject in the first verse, it says the book of Revelation. It's a revelation of what? It's the revelation of Jesus Christ. It says the book of Revelation is a revelation of of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the first, that's what it tells us. It says in Revelation 1.1, the revelation of Jesus Christ. That's how the Lord Jesus Christ is revealed in the beginning of the book of Revelation. And then it goes on in the fifth verse and it says, unto him who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. Again, this word, own. So the, what does this do? causes us to step back and we say, behold, the Lamb of God who took away our sins by washing us from our sins in his own blood. Just as is emphasized in Revelation 7, 14, I said unto him, sir, thou knowest, he said unto me, these are they which came out of great tribulation and have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. This is the fountain. This is the fountain that's spoken about for the Jewish people in Zechariah 13.1 when it says, In that day there shall be a fountain opened for the house, to the house of David and to the inhabitants of Jerusalem for sin and for uncleanness. That's why we sing this song. And it's scriptural. There's a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins. It's, when you first read that, you go, What? And sinners plunged beneath that flood lose all their guilty stains. Why? Because it was his own body that bare our sins, his own self, his own blood that cleanses us. And we have a promise about that own blood of his in 1 John 1, 7. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Keeps on cleansing us from all sin. His own body bore our sins. His own blood cleanses us. His own blood bought our redemption. When we read these words, his own self bear our sins, we see that a real aloneness to this. Because we understand that he bore our sins alone. He was alone. When he bore our sins, there was no one there to help him. When he bore our sins, there was no one there to assist him. When he bore our sins, there was no one there to relieve him. When he bore our sins, it was just him alone. 
And then when we read again, he, his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree. The word sins, it causes us to focus on the number of sins. How many sins were they? Well, David said that, just speaking for himself personally, just David speaking for himself personally, he says in, in, in Psalm 40, verse 12, for innumerable evils have compassed me about. Mine iniquities have taken hold of me so that I'm not able to look up. They are more than the hairs of mine head. Therefore, my heart faileth me. When Ezra, he's trying to conceive of all the sins that his generation of Jewish people there in Jerusalem, that they were guilty of, he said in Ezra 9.6, Oh my God, I'm ashamed and blush to lift up my face to thee, my God, for our iniquities are increased over our head, and our trespass is grown up unto the heavens. You know what our problem is? Our problem is we don't even understand the number of all of our sins. I mean, we have secret sins. They're even secret from us. We're not even aware of them. We have sins of omission. We have sins of commission. We have so many sins. And David said in Psalm 19, 12, who can understand his heirs? Cleanse thou me from secret faults. Cleanse me from what I'm not even aware of. But he knew. He knew every single sin of every person that every person was guilty of, even their secret sins, even the sins they weren't aware of. And if one person, David, he says that his evils were innumerable, was it the number that he knew of when he was dying for the sins of all men of all time? It was a staggering number of sins. But that's what it means when it says he, his own self, bear our sins. And then when we think of the word bear, it makes us think of, you know, you bear something, you carry something. It's heavy. And again, David says about this heaviness in Psalm 38, 4, Psalm 38, 4. For mine iniquities are gone over my head as a heavy burden. They're too heavy for me. They're too heavy for me, he says. David says, I can't bear under my own sins. And so just as David's sins alone were too heavy to be borne, but the Lord Jesus bore the weight of all sinners. As it says in Isaiah 53, 11, by his knowledge shall my righteous servant justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. Think in your own life of how awful you felt when you came to know of your sins and that drove you to him because it felt so bad. Now multiply that bad feeling. Multiply that awful feeling by all men. And that's how he felt under the number and under the weight of the sins of the world. It just gives us like a, maybe a faint idea of the burden that he was under. And it shows us that he not only died for our sins, but he suffered for all sins. Those are the thoughts to permeate us as we go now to the Lord's table and we take this time to just behold him. Let's pray. Father, help us now, Lord, to behold the Lamb of God. In Jesus' name, amen. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. 
tomcantor.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org to sign up for his daily devotional verse. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestoration.org. Or you can write Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711-330, P.O. Box 711-330, Santee, California. That's S-A-N-T-E-E, Santee, California, 92071. Or you can email Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. What are you doing Sunday nights? Join Friendship with God Radio Bible Teacher Tom Cantor at the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at the Creation and Earth History Museum in Santee, California. Join us early each Sunday at 4.30 p.m. for a free Creation Museum admission and amazing weekly food fellowship. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor's Sunday evening messages on YouTube.com by searching for the Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. Enjoy encouraging teaching from our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, and classes for children ages 5 to 12. So join the fellowship, the Friendship with God Fellowship, every Sunday evening at 5.30 p.m. at the Creation and Earth History Museum next to Highway 67 in Santee, California, near the Santee Drive-In. For more information, call us at 1-800-247-3051, 1-800-247-3051, or visit friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org.